0: Before we get going with this week's show, a word from our friends at Keeneland Racecourse. As was the case in the fall, the Keeneland Turf Pick 3 is back for this spring meet, something you definitely want to take a look at, the quality of the overall stake schedule. Yes, Bluegrass Day is coming, and gone, as has Lexington Day. But 15 stakes were 7700000 million, action-packed throughout the entirety of the meeting, and also from a gambling standpoint. Most importantly, for many of us, a new Keeneland Select accounts will receive a special $100 back after they wager $200 on Keeneland Racing this April. Wager a total of $300 in the first 30 days and earn another $100 back with the standard sign-up bonus. So, $300 on the Keeneland Spring Meet equals $200 back. For new accounts, you have to use the promo code ITM22 at Keeneland Select. Now, on to episode 112. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, April the 18th, 2022. It is episode 112, and it's going to be about the Oaks and It's going to be going back over some comments, and some questions, and overall thoughts from last week's episode. However you listen, thank you for doing so many ways to find the pod. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, com. You can also watch along over on YouTube, search bar, Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 111 prior. Uh, I'm not going to waste much time. I'm going to do the exact same thing I did for the Derby with the Oaks this week. I know I've neglected the Phillies for a little while, so... This will be a combination of quick recap of a couple of names that, you know, I haven't really done a deep dive into, but also give you my fair odds. And that blew up on Twitter, and there'll be a bit of a rant at the very end of the show, because one of the questions pertains to odds. And a horse, what I had assigned them for my own fair odds, not a morning line, fair odds, from last week with the Derby. So I'm sure it'll happen again with the Oaks because that's just how things go. Uh, but we're going to go through that right now. And again, your thoughts about any of these Phillies, my odds, good, bad, indifferent, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. So we're going to go in reverse chronological order. These are the 14 that are slated to run as of April the 18th. It could change again. I understand that. It's just an exercise, doing something to, to get the chatter going. So we're going to start with Shahama, 100 to one. You're going to hear some big numbers, which again, based on a value line, it has to add up to 100 points. Somewhere, somehow, people are going to get overlooked, or you just got to kind of call a spade a spade and see what your opinion is. Do you think that they can run? And if not, they kind of have to, by default, be a really, really long price. Shahama, 100 to one. Candy raid, 100 to one. Stand by as I shift over here. Cocktail Moments, 100 to 1. Hidden Connection, 15 to 1. Turner Loose, 50 to 1. Goddess of Fire, 15 to 1. Secret Oath, 8 to 1. Venti Valentine, 13 to 1. Nostalgic, 10 to 1. Desert Dawn, 30 to 1. Yugiri, 20 to 1. Nest, 5 to 1. Echo Zulu, 8 to 1. Kathleen O, 4 to 1. So, based on the the thought that any horse greater than six to one does not represent a likely win scenario, I would be looking to bet two horses. I'd be looking to bet either O or Nest. If I needed to make a selection today, knowing what we know, this is before training, we'll see how they all take the Churchill Downs, so many different things. If I needed to make a pick today, I would pick Nest. I know she's a little bit slower than some of the other big names in here, but the way that she ran at Keeneland, I thought she was fantastic. And if you'll go back and listen to some of our happy hours from last year, I I mean, I noted that if she had gone in the Breeders' Cup, I would have thought about picking her. I think Nest all along, she's a prime example of a filly who looks the part, the numbers aren't there yet. And again, I wouldn't have bet her in any of those other races that she's run into this point, because she's the opposite of what I'm looking to do. If you look good and are slow but you're 15 to 1, fine. If you look good but are slow and a short price, I'm not going to bet on you. She finally ran a relatively fast race in the Ashland. More importantly, I think she looked better than she's ever looked. The 92 buyer at least gives her a puncher's chance. She absolutely needs to improve to run with Kathleen O, but she's going to get the jump on Kathleen O, and I think she's in good hands with Todd. I I think Nest is is the complete package. I think Kathleen O has been spectacular for her to do what she has done for a trainer like Shug McGay, who who does not rush them along. He only runs them when they're ready to go. For her to do what she's done, I think she deserves to be the favorite in this year's Oaks. And this is an Oaks that is extremely deep. You'll note the difference in my value line for this field versus the Kentucky Derby. Granted, there are six more horses in the Derby that at least one point needs to be assigned to. But this race is a much more bunched up group of of horses compared to the derby the derby is extremely top heavy for me and again because there are so many horses and so many entries you can't help but have many 50 and 100 to 1 shots with the phillies with 14 horses you can be a little bit more selective you've only got four horses or i do anyway at 50 to 1 or greater and again this is not a morning line i'm not projecting what they're going to be bet at because echo zulu is not going to go off at 8-1 to i know that for a fact I went back and watched that run from the fairgrounds and i just i couldn't get past it i thought she should have done much more than she did and if it was nothing more than a means to an end great she should improve but she's gonna have to on on the buyer scale she's 10 points slower than kathleen O. she's four points slower than echo zulu if i think she's going to improve by leaps and bounds that's one thing but truth be told, you can't make her four to one, or it becomes really difficult anyway, to justify making Echo Zulu three or four to one and hidden connection, a Philly that I think is good. I don't think she's a superstar. She basically just lost a nose bob. That to me signifies a real scenario in which those two are much closer than maybe I had thought they were, or certainly as two year olds, and to justify making one a quarter of the price of the other, or make if you want to look at it the other way, make one four times the price of the other. That just doesn't make a lot of logical sense. So accordingly, I, I had to knock Echo Zulu down a few pegs. And if she wins, so be it. But she's gonna to need to run much faster. She should be forwardly placed in a race that, aside from Turner Loose, you know, do you have proper burners in here? Fenty Valentine, I don't think, is an absolute need-to-lead type. Uh Yugiri will be forwardly placed. But I, you know, I think this is a good group, and I think the top of the market, as good as it is, they're not slam dunks because of tactics. Kathleen is going to have to rally from off of it. Nest, as much as I like her, she does need to improve. She's not going to win the, the Kentucky Oaks with a 92 buyer. Secret Oath. I, I have that planted in the back of my head now the thought that perhaps she's going to find a mile and an eighth a little bit too demanding for her. Uh, but I do think it's a fantastic race. And the beauty of going ahead and making a value line is you can go through, and day of, when the odds pop up in the tote, you can look at it and go, this is where I'm getting fair value based on my opinion of the race, not the morning line makers. In the big picture, what difference does the morning line makers' opinion mean? It doesn't. It doesn't make a difference. What is your opinion? And it's not what you're projecting them to go off at. Echo Zulu won't be 8-1. to one. It should probably be three to one, maybe even five to two. Maybe Kathleen O will be five to two. She won't, maybe she won't be four to one. And if she is, I won't be betting her, because I'm not getting a fair shake. You go through, you make a line like this to identify overlays, and underlays for that matter. Then yes, you may get an overlay on Goddess of Fire if I have her at 15 to one, she goes off at 20 to 1. But if you're just being honest, 15 to 1 shot's not a very likely proposition. That's six points. You, that means that out of a hundred times you run the race, you think she wins six of them. That's not a prime betting opportunity. so if you want to throw a few bucks on her, go on. but I wouldn't suggest making giant wagers on horses that you make a big price to begin with and just because they go off at 2x that that that's funny money. that's taking a flyer. that's not a prime bet. If I can get six to one on nest or five to one on nest, that's a prime bet because I like her. I have her as one of the favorites, one of the most likely winners of the race, and I think she can get it done. That's a prime betting opportunity. Not looking at a 25-to-1 shot that goes off at 50 and you say, I got a giant overlay. You do have an overlay, but you didn't give her much of a chance to begin with. So we're kind of splitting hairs at that point. That's going to be it for this segment. Again, I have Kathleen O is the most likely winner. The second most likely winner I have is Nest. And then we have co-third choices, as far as most likely winner is concerned. Not morning line, most likely winner. Echo Zulu and Secret Oath. Let me know your thoughts about the 14 fillies that, as of April 18th, are set to go in the Kentucky Oaks. Let me know if you agree with the odds, disagree with the odds. Uh, thoughts about any of the fillies in here? Again, I thought Kathleen O was spectacular in the Gulfstream Oaks. Thought Echo Zulu was frankly disappointing in the Fairgrounds Oaks. Nest, I've already spoken about. The Arkansas form, just in general, I don't like boys or girls for the most part, uh, aside from Secret Oath. But then again, you think about that too. How can you say one without the other? So if I don't love the form of the boys or the girls, how can I be overly thrilled with Secret Oath in the big picture? I think she has a big chance. I think she's very talented. But more and more I look at it, it's hard for me to sit here with a straight face and say, I think that Arkansas path is strong. Same thought that I have with the boys coming out of Florida. I just don't think that it's a very strong group. Not that they're bad horses. But going up against the best of their generation, I think they may be up against it a little bit. Again, let me know your thoughts about the 14 Phillies that are currently slated to go in the Kentucky Oaks the first Friday in May. Uh, now we will transition into comments, thoughts, and questions from last week's show predominantly about odds. Let's go through some of the comments and questions from last week's show. Uh, Some of them go nicely together, so I'll probably rip off a couple at a time talking about one topic. Others are just comments, and I'll acknowledge and see what we think going forward. Uh, And based on this and any of the Oaks talk, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns beneath the video player on YouTube, as many of you did last week. This had to be one of the, the largest amount of comments I think we've had in quite some time, 81 beneath last week's show. So let's start with... A combination from Trish Smith and Ben Fitz. Uh, Let's start with Trish. I understand your comment about the wood with so many horses improving. However, is there any time when you don't look at it as a red flag? For instance, certain times in the year when two or three-year-old crop can start to improve figures and see forward progression or big races like Breeders' Cup, where you know all the horses have been pointing and training up to try to get their best efforts On these days, So it isn't crazy to see many horses in field with buyer tops, or is it better to avoid that line of thinking and question numbers in general for races that come back high? Ben Fitz, Matt, doesn't it figure that trainers will have their three-year-old prep to run the best race of their career in a grade one last derby prep to get in the Kentucky Derby? I think any trainer would be disappointed if their horse did not run the best race of their career, so it is not surprising that more than half the field in the wood ran the best race of their life. So to both of these points, first Trish, you're right. I mean, this time of year, I guess if it is going to happen, this is when it's at least understandable because they are three-year-olds, they are lightly raced, and to Ben's point as well, they're pointing for this race. But when Ben lays it out, and I guess that's the thing for me, I think any trainer would be disappointed if their horse did not run a career best in a, a race like this. That's exactly my point, though. It It is not often, although they are cranked up and trained to peak, it's like any other athlete. That doesn't mean that they're going to. I'm just thinking of it in totality, and I could be entirely wrong about the wood. But for me, it it becomes difficult in any race, with the exception of early two-year-old races, where they haven't really run at all, to see majorities of fields run the best that they've ever run, especially knowing that some of them don't want to go that far, may not like the racetrack, the pace scenario may not be advantageous to them running one of their best races, whatever the case may be. They may not have felt well that given day. I mean, there are so many variables that make me reluctant to look at any given race that has the majority of the field run the best that they've ever run. I mean, going back to use the Breeders' Cup as an example, it's very infrequent that you see the majority of a field run the best race of their life. Now, you may get the top quarter that run career best numbers, but in a field of 12, if you got 3 that ran the best of their lives and then let's say 4 through 7 more or less ran their race, just wasn't good enough, and then you had, you know, 8 through 12 or 8 through 14 who for whatever reason took a step backwards, for all those reasons I laid out, pace, track, you know, conditions, whatever it may be. That to me, is understandable. When it's more than half the field that jumps up, that's when I think you can at least look at it and say, "Mm, maybe there's something there. That's just my opinion. I could be totally off, especially in relation to the wood. But thank you both for your comments. Let's move on to uh, Jim Pilar's. Matt, I wanted to stand up and cheer while watching your rant on Mo Donegal and Zandon. The Kentucky Derby went to a point system in 2013 and beginning with California Chrome in 2014. Every horse to cross the finish line first in the Kentucky Derby has never been worse than third at any call from the quarter to the final. I want no part of deep closers to win. I think Table will sit close to the front and will romp home. He had the fastest final furlong of any up-front contender and galloped out fantastically in the Santa Anita Derby. I mean, you know, those are all reasons that I like the horse. Now, he will need to be forwardly placed, uh, but your overall, the bigger picture, bigger piece about closers, I, I think you are, you are so heavily dependent on things working your way, and I understand you can say that about any of them, but even more so for a horse that's going to come from the back. And there was someone else in here. I've got a comment written down. Uh, KG you people are nuts. The Derby is great for closers. Does anyone understand horses? Are you all new? The last decade or so have been a lot of chalk. Best horses. Who were the closers that should have won? Name them. I understand a little bit of what you're saying or suggesting, KG, that maybe the closers in those races that didn't win were overmatched and they weren't going to win anyway. My argument would be most of the best horses aren't closers. Period. On dirt. On dirt. They just aren't. There's a reason that most of your favorites are horses that are either on the lead or pressing the lead because they don't have as much that they have to get through. So if you want to say, you know, this is the year that the best horses are closers and they're just that much better than everyone else and they're going to get perfect trips, hey man, it's entirely possible. I'm not going to bet on it, but it's entirely possible. Um, I don't total, I don't agree with your assessment, KG. Um, but anything is possible. It's why they line up. It's why they're going to run the race in a few weeks' time. And as far as Jim is concerned, I, I you know, again, Taba. If this is not too much too soon, and it very well could be, going six to ten in eight weeks is a lot to ask for any horse. Never mind a horse who's run twice. So, if he can handle it, yeah, he's got a giant, giant chance. Motor City Spur Dillingham. Who's your derby pick? Great content. Big love from the Motor City. Thank you for the comment. Thank you for listening and watching. Uh, I, If I had to make a pick today, I'd pick Epicenter. I don't know that that's going to change. And no, it's not the sexiest pick, and I'm usually one who's going to look for bigger prices. I just think Epicenter ticks every box you could possibly ask for. Um, don't hold me to that. Got a couple weeks left, but I just don't see really anything that would make me think otherwise unless he missed training or something crazy happened. He came down with a little bit of a cough or a cold. But I, I just think he I just think he's the horse that they have to beat. Taba could have another gear. I Zandon is good. Modonegal is good. The Florida horses are fine. The Arkansas horses are fine. I think this is more or less Epicenter's race to lose. Unless Taba can handle all of what's being thrown at him in such a short amount of time. Joe Salito, I've seen maiden races in which 100% of the horses ran their career best figures, just saying. Uh, Joe, to that point, you know, again, early two-year-olds, lightly raced horses, you could absolutely get entire fields of that move forward. We're not talking about that in the final race leading into the Kentucky Derby. Um, it's all circumstantial kind of stuff. Uh, forget about it. This is one that I I just don't understand what you're getting at here. Uh, Epicenter lost previous race is all I need to know. Barber Road would have passed him if there was one more furlong. Watch the Louisiana Derby again. Now, just because I want to make sure that I'm not incorrect here, uh, I do not believe Barber Road ran in the Louisiana Derby. If he did, I apologize. Uh, No, he he did not. No, Epicenter won that race by two and a half lengths. I don't know what you're alluding to forget about it epicenter I'm talking about epicenter not cyber epicenter epicenter won the louisiana derby and he did so impressively barbara road didn't even run in that race so i don't know what you're getting at he was also throwing a lot of shade that's fine you don't agree with the take so be it not the end of the world but at least get your facts right Horse didn't even run in the race john g all aboard the Tabatrain train, LOL. Yeah, perhaps I am going a little, you know, overboard, but I, contextually putting it all in focus, what he's done in two races, we haven't seen. We haven't. He did something Justify did not do. Justify had another race against allowance horses before his win in the Santa Anita Derby. This horse didn't have that. I, you know, it is, I, I, I just, that's all I'm trying to convey. If you don't like the horse, that's entirely up to you. And I don't care that the horse is based in the West Coast. We'll get to that. Another, genuinely, I will apologize about one thing coming up. This, I will not apologize about. The, the people that bring up these stupid ass biases one way or the other, West Coast, East Coast, no, no, no. Stop. I don't care if the horse comes from Canada. Antarctica. I couldn't care less where the horse is based or who they're with. I'm not friends with any of these people. I don't care. I'm just looking at the horse and watching them run. That's it. So if they came from Nebraska, Nepal, or wherever, I don't care. Doesn't make a difference. Taba, West Coast bias, stop. I live in freaking Maine. What West Coast bias? Greg Chimingo, thinking about perfect trips versus challenge trips. A lot of perfect trips in the 100-point races. Rosario on both epicenter and Modonegal Early voting was the closest we got to a wire-to-wire winner. But when is the last time? Not a single 100-point prep wasn't won by a pace setter. Pratt on Zandon was the most visually arresting as he saved be, as he saved ground behind a modest pace and had to make decisions about where and when to move. Felt Derby-like. Giroux on Cyberknife in the Arkansas Derby made a solid mid race move turns out he didn't beat much looking forward to doing the race design when we have post positions in a final field this is a very well thought out comment greg thank you i agree with you and that's something that perhaps i have overlooked a little bit i mean epicenter had a candy trip mo Donegal had a brilliant ride Uh, early voting he went out there but again i i don't really see what the excuse was um Giroux did make a move on Cyberknife, and again, I said it after the Arkansas Derby. Not really crazy about the race. Um, And yes, the Zandon move was absolutely impressive, and it was Derby-like. My argument or my question or my concern is, can you do it again? Because you're probably going to need to. I also had someone, and it wasn't in a comment. I think it was a tweet, and I apologize for not giving credit to whomever this is. Someone's suggesting that they think Zandon can stick can sit closer to the front, and my only, I so su- if if he does, it'll be because something kind of unpredictable has happened. If you go through and and take a look at his overall body of work, and the reason I'm saying unpredictable, this this person also identified the Remsen as, as sort of the reason to to suggest that he could be closer to the pace. You have to keep in mind, the only reason he was that close to that pace is because they were walking. They were walking on the front. The pace figures in that race for... I don't even know who the pace setter was. I'm gonna pull it up now. But he was only a length off of it. What, three quarters into the race? It's purely because they they were just crawling out there. Anytime he has run in a race where there is pace, He's come from way out of it. And again, that that seems more like that's just what his running style is. Try to conserve energy, wait, unleash that late kick, and hope that your main sort of contemporaries are starting to flatten out at that point and you can start picking up pieces. But even in the race down at Keeneland, I mean, he himself, his pace figs were 109 and 112. Okay, that's probably going to put him... Maybe he's not coming from dead last, but it's going to put him well behind some of the early runners. I mean, just for example's sake, let's take a look at Epicenter at the fairgrounds. And it is. It, I, I, I love that Greg said, I, I'm anxious to see how the race shape sets up. And look, to be fair, I'll, I'll eat my words here. Epicenter, granted... He sat off of a pace and he he and Zandon both had up lines where they actually went slower and they picked it up, which is very uncharacteristic as far as dirt racing is concerned. But Epicenter had 113s, so they weren't that far apart. And I guess in that idea, I will be prepared to, to eat my shoe. That maybe Zandon is a horse that can be much closer or the pace is going to be much quicker and I, I don't know. I, I could be entirely wrong. Based on the pace figs, you may have something there. Whoever that was, that laid out that Zandon could possibly be closer to the pace. Because if Epicenter's going that kind of pace, although key, I, I guess that would be my only my only caveat is I believe that was the slowest pace Epicenter has ever been around. We can, we can talk about it more, but look, maybe there is something to it. Maybe I have vastly underestimated the kind of early foot that Zandon could have. Uh, I'm always concerned, though, when you have these wicked late turns, you know, big finishes, that if you change the running style, does does that big finish go away all of a sudden? You know, you had that wild kick. But that was when you were just waiting, 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 and then you you kicked away. If you got to use a little bit more early, do you still have the finish? Although then you look at it from the flip side and say, typically, if you've got a horse that is a confirmed closer and they're reasonably close to the pace, you think they're going to out everyone else. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'm talking myself into Zandon. Um, but it is, it is interesting. And to, to Greg's point, though, there were many perfect trips in these last races. Something to keep an eye on, something to think about going forward jm that's why it's called gambling matt even with the stats and analytics and your computers it's still a gamble any time we place a wager bro we can try and envision the race a hundred times but shit happens you handicap the race you feel confident and comfortable with your picks you place your wagers and watch and enjoy the race the time to be nervous is when you place the bet not when the race starts i i understand your point to a degree jm but you can say that I, it is a gamble but you're you're trying to make a calculated risk. You're not sitting there playing roulette where there's no you have no idea what's going to happen with that. Part of the reason I think the Kentucky Derby is one of the most overrated things that there is is because it feels a little bit like roulette. Because of all the shit that can happen. You get a bad trip, you don't you miss the break, you don't get the position that you wanted, the track comes up funny, uh you're running in front of 170,000 people which they'll never ever do ever again. Um, I mean, there there are a number of things, and if you're not running it through your head, I I think you're probably going about it slightly the wrong way, Um, but you're right. I mean, look, at its core, it's gambling. I don't think anybody said otherwise. Jack Woods, this is where I will apologize. Jack Woods, Matt, you have your opinion on Taba, and that is fine, but to basically call people a moron if they did not agree with you, uh, excuse me, let me try it again. Matt, You have your opinion on tape and that is fine, but to basically call people a moron if they do not agree with you about him is kind of outrageous, especially with your track record. Guess it all depends on how you feel about Messier because he's the only other horse who did any running in that race. Other fave backed out of the race early and rest of field was trash. Uh, I do apologize if I came off a little bit sort of, you know, if you don't agree with me, you're an idiot. Um, I just firmly believe, and I've watched enough to know when horses do things that they're not supposed to do, uh, and in a good way and a bad way. Um, I thought the shot about, especially with your track record, was funny. Thanks, Jack. Um, by the way, I still will take my track record over just about anybody as far as figuring out who can do what possibly down the road, but your point is. Is well taken. Yeah, I I shouldn't have come off as sort of aggressive as I did about if you don't believe in this horse, then you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I mean, he could end up being fool's gold. I, I just, I feel like I've seen enough good horses not be able to do what he has done in a short amount of time. And I think a lot of people... To your point, too, Messier, I mean, I didn't like him going into the race, and I actually thought he ran the best of his career in the Santa Anita Derby. Um, But, yeah, uh, you know, again, I I apologize for coming off as a jerk in that instance. Certainly was not my intention. Um, I just, I don't know, it's one of those things that I feel like when you see something almost like a unicorn or a shooting star or any, you know, thing from mythology of like, wait a minute, that's not normal. We don't see that. Horses aren't supposed to be able to do that. And when they do, I think we're supposed to take notice. And I, it's just the, the number of people, I think. It's this right here. It's Tony uh, Kyriakidis. Okay, West Coast guy. Who paying you, Baffert team? Team Cheater? Charge it isn't seasoned enough, but Taba is interesting. Both ran how many times? You blasting Zandon and Mo? Good, I hope they win either or. Again, the West Coast thing is, the, is I, I don't care if you think I'm a jerk with this. It is the dumbest, the dumbest thing you could say if you're trying to make an argument. It's because you don't have any other sort of substance to an argument. I don't care if this was a former Bafford horse, a former Matt horse, former Bill horse, former John horse. I don't care who used to have the horse. I don't. I don't. It doesn't make a difference to me. The name right now, as far as the trainer is concerned, is Tim Yachteen. I don't give a shit. I really don't. Charge It isn't seasoned enough, but Taba is. Both ran how many times? If you're watching the tape of those two horses, and again, I'm going to sound like I'm going back to calling people morons. Watch the way Charge It runs versus the way Taba runs. There is a, there's a decided difference. One is looking around. He's getting goofy with his leads. He's weaving in and out. The other one is getting stronger as the race goes on. And he does it all professionally. For me, it's not even necessarily about wins and losses. It's about how do they go about doing their business. I like Charge It a lot. But I just... I, I, I need to know how you can watch the replay. And please, watch the replay. And tell me that's not a horse that needs... Some seasoning and needs to figure some things out. And by the way, in due time, didn't flatter the form very much of that run down in Florida either. Another thing I've been saying all along that the Florida form is suspect. That's just my feeling, and I'm going to stick to it. We'll talk about one more thing with the final comment momentarily. But when you look at the two from a seasoning standpoint, and by the way, I'm saying Taba, this may be too much too soon. But purely on what I've seen, he's got a hell of a lot better chance than Charge. It does. Down the road, maybe Charge will be better. But if I have to put both of them in and amongst horses and dealing with things for the first time, the way Taba has gone about it, assuming he stays sound, he was be- he's been much more professional. And yes, he's run into far fewer horses. I get that. I- I'm not arguing. And by the way, actually, Charge has run three times, I think. But Charge didn't look like a horse that mentally had it all there in the Florida Derby. And if you don't agree, that's fine. I'm telling you what I believe. Blasting Zandon and Mo, I'm not blasting them. Use your eyes, though. Think about how likely it is for that to work out again against more horses going a longer distance at a different track. That's all I'm, I'm laying out there. Just give it... A, and if you still believe in them, good on you. I hope it works. I hope they win for you. Because I don't give a shit if I'm right or wrong. It's another race. I turn the page. But if if there's a, at least not an acknowledgement of the possibility that you're bringing more unknown and, and variability into it if you have to pass horses with a bunch of traffic, I, I just, what are you seeing that I'm not? Enl- enlighten me. What am I missing? Maybe I'm making too much out of it. But... You know, again, and we'll just finish off with him. The West Coast thing, stop with the, the biases. It is the laziest argument you could possibly have. We'll wrap things up with Tim Mee. White Abario no way goes off at 30-1, to 1, more like 15-1. to 1. I, I, I knew when I put the tweet out there and I brought it up last week, it, it was a value line. It's my opinion of what I would be willing to bet them at. Not what I think they're gonna go off at. That's a morning line. There's a difference. People on Twitter, this is insane, idiot. Da, 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 da. I'm telling you what I would bet them at. How can you tell me that I'm an idiot for what I want to bet? I don't care what your opinion is. I want to bet them at this price. I'm not saying that's what they're going to be. Somebody pointed out, well, you're not gonna be making many bets. It's exactly the point. If I'm not getting fair value, why would I make a bet? Because it's the Kentucky Derby? That's dumb. Don't just make a bet just to make a bet. Only make a bet when you feel like you have an advantage or you're getting the best of it. So often you don't get the best of it in this game. So make sure you do when you put your money through the windows. That's all. So no, you're right. He's not going to go off at 30-1. to I'm not going to bet him then because I think he needs to be that. A value line is a person's opinion of what they would bet the horse at, not what they will be at. There's, they're, like They're not even close, the two things. More like 15? Maybe he would be 15. If you want, I'll do a morning line exercise next week. Would that make it better? And we can compare and contrast what my value line would be versus the morning line. They're going to be way different. The morning line is a projection of how the race will be bet. The value line is what I would be comfortable betting them to win at. They're, they're, they're like not even close. Anyone listening, I hope that is like abundantly clear at this point, because the amount of people on Twitter that were going wild with it and some of these, I just, I, it's not what I think they're going to go off at. It's what I would be willing to bet them at. Value line versus morning line. And with that, if you have any thoughts about any of these comments that we've gone over, about any of the Phillies and the Oaks, Leave your comments and questions and thoughts beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie underscore Matt. That's going to do it for episode 112 of The Pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Again, as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. I will be back next Monday with episode 113. But until then, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play.